Unlocking what was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, we got to make today's episode quick. I asked my parents before going online, and they said I have one hour, and then I have to do homework. That's fair, Neil. I mean, it's 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 a tough thing to go online. It's a, it's a lot of work, but oh, we're live. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. That was a real thing back in the day, though, uh, having the internet. You know, your parents give you like a half an hour, one hour on the computer, and then you got to get off and go play video games or go outside, God forbid, or read a book. Who knows what you're doing? But thank you so much for joining me today. We got an amazing episode lined up. But before we jump into that, I got to talk to you about something that uh, came across my uh, my interest uh, this last week. Me and my uh, my fiance were in the car, and I uh, that day I realized or I saw a tweet that was talking about Spy Kids and things that like you didn't realize about the film Spy Kids as a kid. Um, and this became basically the discussion for a solid half hour of our drive. So I got to hit you with uh, some facts about Spy Kids here. And, and this is going to ruin the movie a little bit for you. you. You liked Spy Kids back in the day, didn't you? Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I liked it just the same as any other kid liked it, I think. And then then I watched them again like as mm. an adult. I'm like, wow, these are horrible movies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did like them as a kid. Okay, good enough. So this is basically Spy Kids Maury Povich style. So the story of Spy Kids in a nutshell is basically you have this uh, family of spies. Everyone's a spy. It's, it's all cool. They got gadgets. They go on missions. For the first movie, at least, the parents are spies. The kids are spies. Neither or the parents don't know the kids are spies in a nutshell. So Gregorio and Ingrid, who are the mom and the dad, are retiring after 10 years of being a spy in the first movie. So when the movie was filmed in the year 2000, 2001, Ingrid is 29 years old. I want to hit you with that fact, first of all. The mom in Spy Kids was 29. <laughs> okay. We are now older than she was. Gregorio, who is Antonio Banderas, uh, was yep. 40. So that's fine. You know, you, people do what they want. That's totally cool. <laughs> Carmen is 13. She's the daughter. And Junie, who's the boy, is 9 at the time. So again, Ingrid, the mom, 29 years old, which means she was 16 when she had Carmen and 20 when she had Junie, which means... It is very possible she had Carmen before she met Gregorio, so it's very possible that Carmen and Junie are either half-siblings, or Gregorio is not the father of either of the children. Or it's statutory rape, which, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh lot oh <laughs> lot of things there. That's a lot to think about, actually. That's, uh... <laughs> so you're saying that Spy Kids is actually very problematic, is what I'm, is what I'm hearing. Well, I mean, teenage pregnancy, it is what it is. My thing is just that she's she's 16 when she has Carmen, which is fine, which which means they've been spies for 10 years, which means she was 19 when she started being a spy, which means she had a three-year-old <laughs> and a baby on the way when she started becoming a spy. Hey, good for her. You know, uh, 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 just a uh, mother in the workplace. Great to see. Crushing it. Crushing it. And yeah, teen pregnancy aside, see what what I'm saying is like if Gregorio is 40 in this, so so let's what, what would he be when she's 16? Uh, is he he's 27? 27. Yeah, yeah. So so if he if he is the father, that's where that's Ooh. where things get. This is what I'm talking about. That's dicey. That's yes, dicey that's right where there. it gets very dicey. <laughs> so that's but, that's uh, let's say he's not. Let's 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 say that Spy Kids is a wholesome family movie and that he's not. So they are half brother and half sister. Yeah, I think half-brother, half-sister is good because that means that Junie 9, meaning that she's 20 when she has him, which makes uh, Antonio Banderas' character 31. So a 31-year-old having a kid with a 20-year-old, that's okay in, uh, in in every country, I think. Yeah, so, well, yeah, yeah we're legal, uh, legally, we're, we're, we've cleared barriers here. Yeah. Okay, we're back to being a family <laughs> show now. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So I just, I just needed to make sure you knew that. So if you're ever at a party and anybody brings up Spy Kids, because if you're at a party with people above the age of 26, you're probably going to hear Spy Kids mentioned at least once. It's true. I mean, and the Spy Kids, the first and second one are like, okay, movies. Uh, I shouldn't say that they're horrible. They're okay movies. The third one is horrible that movie that's the 3d one really what that, that's the 3d spy kids movie yeah they were really building up to shark boy and lava girl that's what those movies were really building to yeah i know weirdly robert rodriguez i think he was a director right mm -hmm. and he was he did shark boy and lava girl never saw it did you ever see that movie neil I, I I rented it from Blockbuster once. I have no memory of that film. Maybe we should uh, rewatch it one day and cover it on this show. That would be fun. That feels right. Yeah, we'll, we'll we will definitely do it at some point. Maybe it's it's like probably like a two thousand four two thousand five movie. So yeah, that, that fits in mm -hmm. really nicely. But um, oh yeah, Neil, we do have some video game news this week. Actually, uh, 
the maker of Angry Birds video games, uh, Rovio, which is a Finnish uh, company. So shout out to Finnish gaming <laughs> everywhere. Uh, Rovio yep. uh, was just sold to Sega. Uh, Sega is buying Rovio for 706 million pounds, uh, which is um, a lot of money. <laughs> is that about a billion? No, sorry. Is that that would be more in Canadian dollars, I guess. That would be probably a bit more than a billion dollars Canadian. So yeah, like a, a billion dollars USD. They're buying uh, Angry Birds for. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of birds. That's a lot of Angry Birds. That's a lot of anger. That's a lot of birds. That's a weird move. I didn't hear about this. This is crazy. Sega, so Sega had that much money to throw at Angry Birds. <laughs> I haven't thought about Angry Birds in a solid eight years. Um, I know that they had that movie that came out back in like 2017 or something. Two I movies, don't I remember. Two, two, really? Okay. Two movies in like the late 2010s. Uh, I remember playing the game on my iPod Touch in like grade 12 or, or college or whatever. Um, I, I I don't know if it's this feels 10 years too late, this acquisition. Um, <laughs> I, I am I'm kind of hurt that, you know, with all this money that Sega is making off of the the fantastic Jim Carrey classic films, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, that they're not bringing back Billy Hatcher. Why? Why yeah. are they spending so much money on Angry Birds? A. Uh, a, a irrelevant franchise at this point and not bringing back Billy Hatcher, a, a very relevant franchise in 2023. Neil, you say Angry Birds is irrelevant and I, you know, I'm kind of with you there in the sentiment, but uh, the Rovio just announced a couple months ago that it had passed, uh, that Angry Birds had passed 5 billion downloads on, on platforms, 5 billion. And that is, uh, that is pretty crazy. So this, this game still has legs. People still download it. People still play it. Uh, for sure, and um, and Rovio, I think, also has some other uh, mobile games and other interests and other other uh, technology that they that uh, Sega is definitely buying them for. But uh, yeah, huh. pretty uh, pretty crazy. That is crazy. I mean, I would love Sega to come out with anything other than Sonic at this point. I mean, I know that people like that New Frontiers uh, game that came out earlier in the year, and the movies are doing well. But they need to get away from. They need to get off Sonic for a little bit and uh, put out something different. Uh, I mean, maybe they'll make Sega Angry Birds games. That would be interesting. Maybe we'll see a 3D open world Angry Birds game. They could have already made that. I have no idea. But we'll have to wait and see what comes out of that acquisition. Mike, it's the last episode of the month. And as is tradition that we are creating here on the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, we're going to take a look back at uh, what things looked like in April of 2003, 20 years ago. So we're going to be talking about some movies and game releases and whatnot, and then some interesting news uh, around the world. Uh, So let's start with movies. I found two movies that came out April 2003. We have the Disney classic Holes and Johnny English. My God, I love Holes. Holes is one of my favorite books as a kid. I remember getting that read too. Actually, I was old enough to read, obviously, at this point. But uh, we used to go <laughs> to uh, we used to go to a cottage every year in um, Prince Edward County, which is near where we uh, Neil and I live. And uh, there, a bunch of our friends were, uh, were there, and uh, one of the parents would read holes by the fire every night. And uh, it was pretty cool. I don't think she finished it, but uh, like the week that I was there, but I was like, man, I wanna, I wanna keep reading this. This is a good book. Uh, Stanley Yelnats, like who could forget? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I loved it. I absolutely loved that that book to death. And then when the movie came out, which was probably only a year or two later, uh, I saw that I'm pretty sure in theaters uh, with Shia LaBeouf, right? And mm-hmm. um, oh, who plays the the warden, like the the woman? Um, uh, it's it's uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yes, Sigourney Weaver. Thank you. I yeah, knew, I knew it was a really big actress. Yeah, yeah. So a really and good. John cast. Voight is in that movie too. It's a good cast. Oh yeah, John Voight's in it. <laughs> it <laughs> Mister Sir. It's it's a it's a great it's a great book. It's a really interesting book. I think it's one of those ones that if I had kids, I would definitely uh, have them read that one too. It's got good lessons, good moral stories, good good like novel within a novel a little bit going on there too with. Uh, that woman that mm-hmm. he meets about like climbing the mountain, him and Stanley Elnats and Zero, of course, being the main protagonists. But uh, yeah, I love that book and the movie. I also really enjoy. Yeah, it's a really good uh, novel to movie uh, example that we, we we got a lot of those in the 2000s. Novels being turned into films. This was a great one. One of the first DVDs I owned was Holes. And mm. I remember our teacher read it to us in grade four. That was like the book, uh, the book of the month or whatever it was. And everybody loved it. We always looked forward to hearing her read Holes to us. So that was a, that's a great book, great movie. So yeah, 20 years old, that movie is. And Johnny English, that was a fun one. Basically, Mr. Bean being James Bond. Yep. Uh, that's, a, that's a fun one to go back and, and watch again. I love it. It's aged 
pretty well. And in the album department, we have Elephant by the White Stripes, mm-hmm. which was, uh, that was a big album at the time. That had Seven Nation Army on it, didn't it? Or was that? I believe so. And it's supposed to, and it had Hardest Button to Button on it, I think, too. Um, that's the yeah. one where they're, uh, apparently, people always say that it's supposed to look like an elephant, them on the cover. I, I could never figure that out. My eyes just clearly didn't work well enough to, like, see the elephant, like the hidden elephant in there. But uh, mm. apparently there is an elephant on the cover if you look closely enough. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's a landmark album in the kind of garage rock revival style. Uh, it was it was really everywhere. White Stripes were that definitely their peak was then. They were huge when we were kind of uh, uh, a little getting a little older um, in our, in our mm-hmm. childhood for sure. And this was the album that at least introduced them to me. Yeah, same here. This was the one. Seven Nation Army was huge. It was played on all the rock stations. It was in movies. It was people learned that song on bass and guitar. That was like very much like a first song that you would learn. Just that dun 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 dun, like very. And then you find out that it's not a bass. It's actually him. Just I think it's just Jack White's guitar bass turned all the way up. That's what I I don't know if that's a myth. That might have just been a schoolyard myth that I just believe after all these years. (laughs) Who's to say? But uh, yeah, Jack White's an incredible guitar player. uh, Still performs to this. This day, not with the White Stripes anymore, as far as I know, but uh, this was one of uh, their earliest work. And then in the games department, we had Burnout 2, Point of Impact, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, Fire Emblem, Blazing Blade, which was on GBA, and NBA Street Volume 2. So a pretty good month in video games. Wow, great month. And I would love to talk about Burnout again. That's that's one that I would love to do a revisit on, Neil, because we did Burnout quite early in the GameCube's library when we were talking about it. We, we lumped it in with a bunch of other games, uh, if I can remember correctly, but um, uh, I, Burnout 2 is so much fun. Uh, we had a friend of the show, Ali on, the racing expert, of course, uh, and talking about Burnout. And I think I bought you Burnout 2 for your birthday, Christmas, some some gift. Yeah, I think it was Christmas. I want, no, it might have been my birthday. Birthmas, that's a good that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I own it now, so I would love to go back and talk about Burnout 2. I played it a whole bunch the way when you got it for me. It's really fun. Yeah. So we definitely need to go back and, and play that. I can lend it to you. So yeah, that'd be great. Because we did lump it in with a bunch of other games, so it'd be good to dive deep into it and talk about it for a whole 90 minute two hour episode for sure and then in world news i have a whole bunch of uh, different world news here between games sports music so on april 1st my favorite day of the year square and enix two japanese video game companies announced their merger into square enix because of the timing of this announcement people thought it was a hoax (laughs) (laughs) that's really i mean that would have actually been a pretty big deal at the time and um that's square coming right off of their bankruptcy uh, yep. from uh, from Final Fantasy uh, Advent Children. So interesting. I, I, I for me, I I really just know Square Enix as Square Enix. So mm-hmm. it's uh, crazy. It's been twenty years. Wow. Yeah, I love when companies make announcements on April 1st. It's not a good day to make a big announcement. (laughs) Same thing happened in sports news on April 1st. Alec McLeish, manager of a Scottish football club, the Rangers, announced the signing of a 17-year-old Turkish player uh, named Yardis Alpalfalo, I think, in a £5 million deal. Uh, The name is, in fact, an anagram of April Fool's Day, but many news sources uh, reported this as a true story. So Mm. this is basically the opposite thing that happened, where everyone thought it was real, even though it was a hoax. So That's funny. It kind of reminds me of a GameCube podcast from back in the day that uh, Mm. changed their name to the PlayStation 2 was cool and had to live with that for two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, that seems, seems, uh, in hindsight, not the best idea, but still very good. Very clever indeed. (laughs) On April 16th, Michael Jordan played his final game in the NBA prior to his retirement. So that was the end of uh, of his career. We're now 20 years post-Michael Jordan. I saw him play against the Raptors when he came to Toronto for his last game in Toronto. Uh, oh, wow. When he was on yeah on the Wizards on Washington. I remember that. Uh, yeah, so then that would have been probably just a couple days or weeks before. Did you get him to sign your copy of Space Jam? No, I did not, unfortunately. My VHS of Space Jam. Ah, yes, of course, VHS. Great. On April 21st, British pop group S Club 7 announced they are splitting up after four years of being a band, if you want to call them that. The announcement was made uh, in a London arena by the six remaining members of the group. So they're the S Club 6 at that point. <laughs> Someone just died, I think, too, from S Club 7. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't remember all their names, but yeah. No, I don't think anybody does. On April 28th, Apple revealed a new online music store entitled the iTunes Music Store for its iTunes and iPod products. And each song could be downloaded for 99 cents for no subscription fee. 
Wow, uh, that's oh, that's so funny, eh? Where like yeah. like no subscription fee. It's like we're waiving <laughs> subscription fees, and now yeah. you can just buy the songs. And now we're back. We're back to subscriptions. I know it's all gone full circle again. It's so weird to like talk to people that aren't weren't around for the iTunes days and say, yeah, we paid ninety nine cents up to a buck twenty nine at sometimes for for songs. We bought music videos for three to five dollars. Oh, yeah. It was such a weird time to buy music piecemeal. But yeah, it's uh, the announcement is t- was twenty years ago now, which wow. is crazy to think. I do love this uh, this new segment that we've come up with just to see what the world looked like twenty years ago. It's so different, but I remember a lot of these things happening. Yeah, it's cool. It's just just another nail in the coffin for making sure that I know I'm old. But uh, (laughs) why don't we get speaking of of making us feel old? Why don't we get into this Patreon topic, Neil? All right. Sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode nine of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet hosted by people named Mike and Neil. You can support the show on patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. All patrons get the show ad-free. Last week, we talked about the classic GameCube game, Tony Hawk's Underground. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about our Patreon-elected topic, which won out on our Patreon poll that we do every month. The topics in this month's poll were early internet experiences, the films of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Blink-182's Enema of the State, that's a timely one, The Console Wars, and NHL Slapshot from the Nintendo Wii, that's a familiar topic that I think was in March's poll as well, but did not win this month either. The winner of this month's poll was Early Internet Experiences. So today, Mike, we're going to be talking about the early days of the internet, which, me personally, I consider the early days of the internet to be 1999-2000, which is when my family got the internet, to about 2006, which is when Facebook and YouTube were coming up. That's exactly how I consider it too, Neil. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that down in my notes where <laughs> I kind of end it when Facebook uh, became a thing and when, yeah, people were using YouTube a lot more, or at least starting to, and uh, and obviously Google was also uh, getting bigger too. But yeah, that's so that's mm-hmm. that's a good time frame is like 98 to 2006, and yeah, for me at least, when I also first of all, uh, great topics all around for for people mm-hmm. who submitted in. Um, and early internet was a a personal favorite of mine too. So I'm I'm happy we get to uh, to talk about this. But yeah, my first experiences with the internet sounds funny to say. Uh, it was was actually just through CD ROMs uh, before even before AOL. So like, I don't know if you remember this, Neil, but you could you could buy these CD ROMs that would have like access to the internet kind of yeah uh, internet came in the mail yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and and yeah. like they weren't AOL because AOL also needed the CD I believe at least at mm-hmm. first it did um yep. and but th- these were like these Encyclopedia Britannia and stuff like that that they would have where it would like grant you like basically what it was like looking back it was like granting you access to their their intranet so like all their stuff uh, mm-hmm. in their like online capabilities. So you couldn't go anywhere else, but you could just kind of go into uh, the encyclopedia and, and browse around in there. And that was really cool as a kid. I remember that. Uh, but uh, getting AOL was a big deal, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, getting it and hearing the classic startup sound that, uh, that will never, ever escape my brain. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what people might not know is, or might not remember is, is how much of a chore it was to go on the internet. Like, first of all, you had to, you had to boot up your computer, which took about an hour to boot up. It took, <laughs> it took like 20 minutes though, honestly, yeah, sometimes to, I know. to boot that thing up. You, you, you start running your Windows 2000 or Windows 98, depending on what you had at the time. And then uh, you have to put in the CD for AOL if it's not already in. And then you, you double click on the AOL icon there. And then it's slowly booting up, but then, oh no, you can't use it because mom's on the phone. So you got to wait for your mom to get off the phone and then you can finally go online. And I think it was about like a two minute process of like waiting there, watching the, the little bars, little loading screen go while the, uh, the crazy sounds were going. And of course there was the little man, the yellow man running across, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, the classic little animation there as you were, uh. You were waiting something for you to watch, of course, and and <laughs> when you finally got on, like there we go. That's um, you know, it's like twenty five minutes of your day right there. We're just waiting to get on, and uh, there weren't a lot of things that you could do. Like like one thing that I remember was was booting it up and just not really knowing where to go. 
uh, and it almost feels like we're full circle in that today where it's just like sometimes it can be <laughs> overwhelming to be like, oh, I have everything at my fingertips. But mm-hmm. when you're a kid, you're like, oh, um, I'm on here for, oh, look at Majora's Mask uh, tutorial. Okay, got it. And you'd find GameFAQs, which did, ex- did exist. And I remember going to GameFAQs as a kid uh, mm-hmm. and going to their uh, their site and looking basically the same it does today, which is really funny. Yeah. Uh, and you just go through because it was all in that like um, like basically text based where everything there was no design, there was no styling on the page. It's just everything was like in a big text format, and you had mm-hmm. to really kind of go through and read and look for what you were looking for. It's like okay, level there we go, level forty. Like this happens here, okay. Um, and so that's one of the first things I remember doing and like looking up stuff on my own. And uh, people talk about, like, Ask Jeeves as a big thing, too. And, and I, I remember Ask Jeeves existing as, like, the kind of first search engine. That and Yahoo were definitely, like, the big things that people yeah. used for search engines at the time. But I don't remember using it too much. I, I was a little lucky because my aunt, actually, she worked for a company called Fulcrum in Ottawa. And then she moved to San Francisco, where, which is where they're based out of. And, of course, where Silicon Valley is. Um, and she worked for a search engine. She actually helped develop Netscape. And Netscape is one of the oh. first real search engines that eventually became Firefox, uh, fun fact. But mm-hmm. um, uh, Netscape is, is a little bit before our time, Neil. I think that's in like the mid-90s and then kind of yeah. gradually went over to like Internet Explorer and stuff. But <laughs> So I learned a lot from her, and I remember her kind of helping me navigate uh, the Internet, so to speak. Wow. That's so cool. You're lucky that you had people in your family that had already kind of interacted with it. I love that because I, I think about like our early net, our early internet experiences, and we're kind of like the second wave. I would say like the, we're the yeah. we're in the younger millennial category. We because millennials start in like 1985 to, and we're around the 93 era. Um, so there were folks that, that grew up like the game facts, the people that set up the game facts website waiting for us, they were kind of the, uh, the first waiting wave for <laughs> that's right. They're waiting for us to come and read those Majora's mass game facts. So we were, we were the second wave, I would say of people who started to absorb these websites from the people yes. who made them years before, like you said, in the early to mid nineties. Um, I mentioned this back in our roller coaster tycoon episode, my family, we got, uh, our computer, Christmas of 1999, so go, or no, Christmas of 2000 going into 2001, I believe, was when we got our internet and hooked up to the internet and everything. Uh, and you're right, the internet came in the mail on discs. I remember specifically because we had a bunch of different CD-ROM games, amongst them being Roller Coaster Tycoon and Age of Empires and whatever else. And I remember specifically my dad keeping the internet disc like safe, like it's like a relic <laughs> in an Indiana Jones movie. Like, and like I remember him specifically because I'm an idiot. Like him coming up to me being like, "Do not break this," like because the CD-ROMs, you know, they're very valuable. No, yeah. or they're not valuable, but they're they're delicate. So and it's really easy for a kid to just snap it out of the disc drive or yep. whatever. Um, and if that snapped, we'd have to, I don't know, order a new one or order whatever. Order new internet. <laughs> order the, but like you had to do it like over the phone. Not like you could go online to do it on yeah. someone's phone or yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, you'd put that disc in and you'd watch the bar load. And then if there was nobody in your family on the phone, you could uh, you could go online. And you're right. Like you went on the internet back in the day. And it's easy to forget this, but there really was nothing to do and nothing grabbing your attention the way things do now. Like when you go online, there's videos and ads pop up and articles popping up and notifications and there's Facebook and there's Twitter and there's Instagram. There was none of that mm-hmm. when we were kids. It was just AOL, Ask Jeeves, and and then Simpatico, which everybody had an at Simpatico email at first. Uh, that's what my first... Uh, Is it Canadian? That? I think it's I think it's Canadian, Simpatico. Cause I, think, I think so. I think it's Bell who, who owns it. Yeah. So, yeah. For the Canadians out there, you you definitely <laughs> had a simpatico email. Everybody had that simpatico email, yeah. And, like, you still see people, they're simpatico, they're, like, holding out. They're the ride-or-die simpatico people. And the, the joke is that they're probably above the age of 70 uh, <laughs> if they still have a simpatico email. And that's uh, that's what we had, everybody in the family. And I remember the joy of sending emails to my dad, who was the only person that I knew who had another email address. <laughs> Because, like, I had no reason that I was in grade three or four at the time that my dad made an email. And it was mostly so I could email school projects to him so he could print them at work and then bring them back home because we didn't have a printer right away. Getting a printer was a big deal, too. But that's a that's a different topic. And like the print, the pages would print like it took like five minutes to do one sheet. Basically, the tech was not there yet. So my dad was my only friend on simpatico.ca for the longest time. 
And it was like, even then like sending a message on the computer, like you had to watch, you'd watch like the letter being like basically blown off the screen, like uh, across the screen, it was loading and it would take a minute for that email to go out. It was incredibly slow and primitive um, by today's standards for sure. But at the time, like that was crazy. Like the the fact that that would even uh, like work like that, like the fact that you could just like send an email that fast. And that was Mm. something that that before us, like you were talking about kind of the the, the millennial generation before us, that the trust in the internet wasn't there at all. Right. No. And, and and even when we were growing up, the trust from our parents for sure was not there. But there was a bit more from like in the, in the 2000s. It's like, OK, well, like, I guess emails work. Like, I guess like mm-hmm. you can get things on the Internet. I guess catalog shopping is a thing that you can do here um, yeah. where like a bit before us was definitely like, oh, I don't like trust. the Like, I don't want to like like send you an email. Like, I'll send you something important like a fax. Like a fax is how I know it'll get to you. Well, yeah, I mean, that that takes me back to like in, in our computer classes, which we had, I, mean, I think they still have those in school. They're definitely way different now, but we had like an hour a week in school dedicated to learning how to use the computer, which yeah. was mostly typing and learning how to save things to a floppy disk, which has <laughs> saved me countless times in adulthood. Not. Um, but also the main thing was teaching us the dangers of the internet. And the top three things were the things that most people do on a daily basis now, which was never share photos. <laughs> Never yeah. talk to anybody yeah. and never share personal information, <laughs> yeah. which is basically Oops. how people use the internet from start to finish nowadays. Like I'm, I've met friends on the internet. I met my fiance on the internet. I've shared thousands of photos on the internet at this point, And I do most of my shopping on the internet using all of my personal banking information. So <laughs> it, it's really funny how, how much you're right. It was very gradual, but at first it was basically like, don't show your face on this thing like get in get out it's like a dangerous like shark infested waters yeah, the internet yeah. was and bit by bit you know websites came out and they became more and more trustworthy people started to use it more and more more and more houses got multiple computers so our walls just got chipped and chipped and chipped away to the point now where people share their baby's personal information online and that's totally cool <laughs> um so it's it's funny how much it's changed in the last 25 30 years with the security and and our personal safety. Some people do still hold out and they keep all their personal information very private. They don't use any social media, but the vast majority of people have no problem posting everything online, which is which is really interesting because you'd hear horror stories uh, in the news and in newspapers of people who met a, pr- a predator on a on a chat room online and uh, and every parent would like, you know, shut off the internet for their kids. Like it's not safe to go on there. My kid's going to get abducted by a a stranger on a chat room because they're talking about whatever i don't even remember doing this as a kid no um but that did bring us to the one of i would say the biggest things uh online for me as a kid at least the first big thing i remember before any youtube or social media was msn chat rooms of Um, course yeah i mean that's that's the big one that was definitely the big one although i don't remember using it like a a massive amount at at first, I think I maybe like it took me a couple of years to like really get into like chatting on MSN just because it took so long to get online. Like it was such a, a mm-hmm. pain. I think I didn't I didn't uh, start using or didn't consistently use MSN until probably we had stable uh, internet uh, and not AOL, which is like 2005 maybe at that point. AOL ran on popsicle sticks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because it just was so much work to go and get yeah. on. So like, and I, I would know. rather just. To hang out with my friends other ways but yeah um you know like when i used in, in the aol era so to speak uh yeah msn wasn't used a ton although using msn is, is very fond memories of course sending mm-hmm. blinks to people sending nudges to people um <laughs> uh having what you're listening at the time uh yeah. i love that i always i always like that feature uh your status updates too i mean msn really was like the perfect social network like for us especially as kids kind of mm-hmm. gave you everything you need to have with uh, with the status updates and the music updates and and then all the emojis and stuff too like learning about that learning how to type learning yeah. basically like online speak was a really big one too and and that's really just how how our generation communicates today is really because of things like msn i say mm-hmm. lol or like lmao all the time like i type that constantly uh, mm-hmm. with my friends and I'll like 
I won't. I won't say raffle anymore. I don't R O F L. Oh yeah, I forgot any, about that one ever, anymore. But you know, I do say I I R C, like uh, if I remember correctly, or like I R L in real life. Uh, A F K. You know, A F K constantly, right away from keyboard. Um, AFK and BRB were the big ones. It was mostly mm-hmm. chat feature. Like it was less, I don't remember using LOL or LMAO until I was in high school. It was mostly like G2G, BRB, yeah. and AFK. It was sure. just the ones to kind of let the person you were talking to know, you'll be right back, you got to go, or you're you're away from your keyboard. That was, Those were like the first three I remember using for sure. That's true, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe LOL and LMAO were, were a little LMFAO, the, the great band, uh, were, a little, <laughs> were a little later. Um, but then for for me, like the big thing, uh, rather than kind of chat messaging and, and all that kind of stuff uh, at the time was uh, was like sites, how do I put it? Sites to see silly videos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> funny junk is what you're thinking about, I think. Funny junk and Newgrounds, for sure. I was more yeah. of a funny junk guy. I know Newgrounds was like the competitor, basically. I didn't knew, I didn't use Newgrounds a lot. Newgrounds felt like kind of what you were describing, Neil, where it's like the internet, how you're just like, it's a shark attack. You're just trying to jump on and jump off. Newgrounds mm-hmm. always felt like, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to get a virus from this. Like, even as a kid, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this seems like the wrong place, but I can't look away. Where Funny Junk just had everything. And that was like, if you yeah. didn't, you had to kind of watch these videos on Funny Junk Girls, you'd be left out of conversations at school. Like everything that that um like a schoolyard conversation went back to in grade six was a video that someone saw at funny junk and people mm-hmm. were just laughing about it and they're like oh what's this and then you're like you have to see it or else you're you're completely out of the out of the loop or you know you pretend that you've seen it and you go you go home and you watch it you're like okay, okay now i can talk about it or like now take I, notes. yeah i'll take notes on it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, exactly. I was thinking the same thing all day with this topic was funny junk. That was the basically like YouTube, very early YouTube before YouTube and that it was it was just funny videos. It was ridiculous videos. They made no sense. They were wacky. The animation was terrible. Um, but everyone quoted them. Like even today, you yep. might still hear people mention like uh, the the whole like fifty five. I remember 55. being a really popular one. And like end of the world was like I thought I think I watched that video a hundred times. It's the end of the world. Like I just that one. It's I, I don't know. It might be offensive now by today's standards, but yeah, you're totally right. Like those were the schoolyard conversations. There were no Twitch personalities, YouTube personalities, or anything yet. It was just these videos that we would didn't get... know who made them. <laughs> no, no, there was no like there was no voice or face. No one ever thought to think you know who who developed this, who animated this, who voiced it. It just appeared on this website, yeah. and we would. And we would be, you know, in our in our friend's basement or in our own basement, you know, two guys playing Smash Bros on the N64 and the other two looking for ridiculous crap to put on uh, funny junk and play it through our, our burnt out crappy speakers on our parents' computer and not play it too loud because they might say a bad four-letter word in it or something like <laughs> crap, you know? Like there might be something in the video like that that we're not supposed to hear yet because we're only seven or eight years old but man like there were there were some photos on funny junk too if i remember correctly like a pre-meme era of just like funny looking animals no captions on any of these photos which is this is pre-photo caption it was just a funny image and that was enough no comments no anything um just a forever alone meme is that that's where that's from Mm-hmm. Yep. Forever alone. This is even though before like seeing drawings of, of what people were doing. I, I just remember funny photos of it was usually poop or pee related jokes, but it was just <laughs> weird, like poorly timed photos that we would just die laughing over. I do remember stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> this goes along well with our last week's episode of <laughs> Tony Hawk Underground and just like the jackass era. And, and like like this, yeah. this kind of contributes to it, too, where it's just like 12 year old humor. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, it does tie into Tony Hawk Underground so well because people were, skaters especially, were starting to upload videos onto the early internet. And uploading a video to the early internet did not work. What a task. Oh, my God. I can't. I never did it because I was too young and I didn't own anything that could capture uh, footage or even photos at the time. I didn't have a camera. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't. I might have had a film camera at that point. But then on being on the other end of it, downloading any kind of video from the Internet took sometimes a day. Oh, yeah. That's a whole day. That's a whole day event right there. Just click download. All right. I'm going outside for a while. (laughs) Yeah. And like if you wanted to try and watch it while it was downloading, it'd be like "Eh, it. Like you'd get like little bits and pieces just and then it finally finishes and it's the lowest res possible of a video. It looked terrible. Nothing like what you're getting nowadays on YouTube where the second you click on something, you're watching 
1080p 4k video of some dude talking in his uh, bedroom about a video game we're so spoiled <laughs> oh my god it's it's unbelievable yeah downloading videos and music i don't remember downloading any music until quite a bit later the limewire days which was what i would call more modern internet mm-hmm. um i didn't i didn't download any music off of napster or any of that stuff back in the day i didn't have itunes until i was 12 so around 2005 so uh still very much in the uh, in the cd days yeah, I think we were a little too young for Napster, for sure. Napster being really huge for for older millennials, uh, definitely. Like, that was mm-hmm. a, a massive thing when Napster was coming out, like, 99, 98, for, for sure. Um, and, and, like, we didn't also experience, or at least I don't remember this at all, but I, we didn't really experience kind of the dot-com bubble crash, where, where in 2002, a lot of these companies, a lot of these internet kind of focused companies went under. Which uh, which led again to this mistrust of the internet and the idea that internet's a fad, and like that's that's another thing to really hone in on too is is the fact that even when we were growing up, like that was very much a sentiment that the internet's a fad. It's like well, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's just something that's around, but you know, it's it's not it's not print, it's not real, it's not going to last. Like it just it exists for some fun stuff. It exists for for playing games online. Like that's that's kind of all it's for. And if you spent a lot of time on the internet, like more than at the time, a lot of time on the internet meant two to three hours, you were considered a nerd or, you know, like yeah. a, like a computer, computer geek was like the, the thing. Like if you, if you liked to talk to people online or you liked to design websites, you were considered a nerd and an outcast yeah. or a loner or whatever. And nowadays, if you can do any of that stuff, like does it develop websites is a, is a billion dollar industry and setting up chat rooms or setting up social media websites is is what entrepreneurs do these days. So it's it's completely different. But yeah, people would use the internet in the early days just to send emails or look up quick facts. Like you, there was no Google, like even you mentioned Google earlier, it was very primitive, like like search engines barely worked. It would, it would link you to mostly newspaper articles or uh, d- journals for the most part. And I, I remember using the internet uh, in grade three and four specifically for any kind of geography or social like history or science reports on animals or castles for medieval times or whatever. Mm. And it would still be like, screw this. I'm going to the library because it's better. Yeah. Like, uh, like uh, the library was still the better option for looking up for resources for, for, for school projects. Like I would maybe use the internet to find pictures to put onto my poster that I was making for class that day. Yeah. Uh, but, but when it came to facts and information that I was going to talk about in my presentation, we still went to the library and took out five or 10 books or whatever for the information because using search engines was so cumbersome. And, you know, as, as cool as Ask Jeeves was to ask him, you know, what year did this happen? Or who is this person? He'd give you a couple of responses, but nothing like today when you search Google and in a half a second, you have 200 pages on any topic you want. Yeah, I mean, again, we're so spoiled in that way. But you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. And you actually bring up a good point with the library for me. And I think probably a lot of other people, the library was one of our most trusted resources in terms of not just books, but the computers using mm-hmm. the internet uh, at libraries. I use the internet all the time at libraries. It was such an easier way to access the internet. <laughs> uh, I remember that. And that was even my dad, when we would go to library, we usually went on the weekends and he would like go through whatever he was looking for uh, and then i'd look at my game manuals and my t- nintendo powers that were there and then we would go on uh, the computer and he would go on his computer and look up some stuff i guess and i would go on mine um mm-hmm. and you know we had a computer at home for sure but this was just easier honestly like yeah. <laughs> like he's like oh, i don't have to deal with aol i don't want to have to deal with like <laughs> like like uh knocking people off the phone i'll just go here and and look up my own stuff so yeah. I remember doing that a lot with my dad. Who knows what I was looking up? I think I probably was just playing games on on the computer. Not like ninety percent mm-hmm. sure I was. I, I went to miniclip.com a lot. That was definitely uh, yep. my spot to hang out. I loved miniclip, and later on, I loved addictinggames.com. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was one. I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, uh, and and <laughs> I wanted to do I wanted to do mostly organic memories, but I did a little bit of research to to kind of look uh, what websites were big when we were kids. And I was like, oh my god, addictinggames.com. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and there was like this Square game. It's I, I'm gonna butcher like explaining it, but it was like. You basically had the, the, impo- the impossible game, the right? impossible that, game. Exactly. Yeah, Thank you. Yes. I that. And I remember yep. playing that all the time. And oh my God, like that brought back some, my, some of my memories were flooded there, but like games, <laughs> games were a, a huge, 
huge part of the early internet for me. Like that was probably the, the main reason I was logging on. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about in the Bratz episode uh, where we were talking about how there was actually a pretty big online presence for those dolls and for mm-hmm. the games as well. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and obviously in these commercials that we would see, Neil mentioned at the beginning of the episode with the whole thing, it's like, ask your parents before going online. Like that didn't actually come up until a little bit after Neil, eh? I thought that was interesting. So I was looking at some old commercials, and it wasn't until like 2005, 2006, maybe 2004, that you used to get, that you would get these these messages on commercials come up. Because before that, they're like, I don't know, it's the internet. If you can access yeah. it, go for it, dude. <laughs> I, I honestly think that was a liability thing. Like I think, uh, yeah. like I talked about there, like the internet being a dangerous place in the late 90s, early 2000s, kids getting abducted or people getting attacked online. I think it was just a way of them to kind of wash their hands and say, all right, we've, we've, we've told the kids that they need to ask their parents before going online. It's now the parents, <laughs> the parents are now liable for whatever happens for this kid going on neopets.com. That's, <laughs> that's, exactly. I think that's what that was. I no, think that was just, sure. that, that was a legal disclaimers basically of saying it's up to the parents to let their kids go online or not. But I heard that phrase, ask your parents before going online. I can't imagine how many times we heard that as kids. Oh you don't God. hear it anymore in toy commercials, but getting into the late early internet experience if you want to put it like that was when every video game toy um sometimes movie had a website tied to it like you would you would register your toy online for to play fun games on on this website you would you would take your dvd and go to spykids3d.com and play (laughs) you know play play whatever game was on the website that went with your dvd or whatever so there was starting to be this cross uh, cross merchandization of things, and it was always involving the internet. And I remember specifically uh, YTV, which was like our very famous uh, TV channel that had every cartoon on it, Pokemon and SpongeBob and whatnot. And they had their thezone.com. That was that was a big website for a little bit. I remember yeah. people would go on that website. And you could create your own sidekick, I guess it was, um, that would kind of float around and help you navigate this website because we didn't really understand what navigating a website meant like we didn't know to look for tabs or to go to different pages we kind of just knew to go to what most websites were one page and uh, this was one of those like early kids websites that kind of was a full experience where you could it was probably it was mostly just a marketing gimmick for them to sell you on more cartoons that ytv was showing but i remember people talking about their their sidekick that they made on ytv.com and and the games that they were playing and i think you could start to maybe interact with other people on that website i can't remember now mainly just comparing high scores nothing like playing cod multiplayer or Fortnite or anything like that um but it was kind of like an early social media platform where you couldn't upload photos because it was still a kid's website but you could make your own personalized page and share it with people i completely forgot about that actually neil that's uh i remember going on the zone.com and yeah creating my own sidekick and everything yeah. Very hazy memories of it, but I do remember it for sure. That's mm-hmm. uh, you unlocked you unlocked a memory. Ah. That's what we do here, unlocking what was cool. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like that was. And you mentioned like yeah, websites being tied to all these media properties, and not just websites, but like interactive websites, like things that had a lot going on, like tons of games and tons of features on there. I can't imagine the people who had to make this be like, oh my God, I have to make another like, <laughs> another Toy Story uh, uh, website. Like, because you know, you're right, every every movie in the early 2000s had its own site and with a lot of stuff on it. It wasn't just a static site. Like a lot of, a lot of things, if not everything nowadays does have its own website in some way. Mm-hmm. That's actually why domain buying became a really popular pursuit in the early 2000s and has continued that way where you just buy up domains and and sell them back when when they think they're gonna become relevant but um yeah like now they're they're mostly these static sites you know they they they're they're mostly made from templates and they you know they look good they 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 do their job it's just a little like advertisement banner basically and there there might be some stuff on there maybe some other pictures or galleries or stuff but there's certainly not the kind of interactivity that there was 20 years ago on these sites that that were, yeah, like you said, were very much just trying to get you into this and, and be like, look, like Spy Kids, like this thing is really cool. Like check out this site, play the game. I, I think now marketing is so much more ubiquitous where it's like the, the advertisements can be everywhere. It can be on your phone uh, all the time for you, it can target you uh, and have those targets, targeted ads and recommended ads. There's no kind of algorithms like that back in the day, right? You just 
you just got what you got. Like everyone got the same thing. <laughs> right. And in a way, like I know that a lot of people complain about algorithms targeting them for suggestive marketing and that the phones are listening to us, which is that that's an issue into it of itself. But to have marketing that's targeted specifically at you based on your interests, based on the people you follow on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. I mean, it is invasive, but at the same time, there are perks to that. Like it was annoying back in the day to be advertised for things that you had no intention of ever buying. Yeah. Uh, it, it just makes a lot more sense to see. For me, I would much rather see a YouTube ad for a video game or a movie that I want to see rather than seeing a trailer for a film that I have no intention of ever seeing or to advertise a product that I have no intention of ever buying. Uh, so it was like this kind of shotgun blast of internet marketing. It was it was it was untargeted. It didn't make any sense to what <laughs> what you were doing online. It's just the only way they knew how, which was at the time TV and magazine marketing, which everything was the same on every channel. Every magazine had the same advertisements in it uh, that might have been more specified depending on the channel you were on, like toy. Toy ads would be advertised on YTV, and then like beer ads would be on Sports Network. But everyone sees the same ads when they watch the same programs. Whereas nowadays, when you open your phone, I see personalized ads all the time, uh, mostly based on you know vacations or you know whatever else that I'm interested in, you know researching at that time. But why did every site have music? Also, like, like mm. I, I swear every every time you would go on a new site, like there would just be like music in the background. That was a very early 2000s <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like you'd go like, again, like if you try and God forbid, try and plan a vacation on a site, like it would just be the sounds of the ocean and seagulls yeah. and stuff. It's like, I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. need this. <laughs> I just remember that. That's just like yeah. another thing I unlocked. I was like, I'm pretty sure every site had that. And like, there was no way to turn off. <laughs> no, just you had to turn off your computer completely. You had to turn off the volume completely on, on your speakers. Yeah. It's, it's really funny to think about all those things that we've gotten away from but in a way they're they're kind of similar to back you know just it's 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 really fun though to go back and uh and look and see like what these old websites look like because uh, like they they just were so basic like everything was like blue and white font uh, just basic times new roman and then a couple of pictures taken on crappy phones because camera tech was terrible at the time especially digital camera tech but yeah, that, that's basically in a nutshell what the early internet experience was like for for me, at least back in the early 2000s. And I, I remember the turning point we talked briefly about it at the beginning was definitely that 2006, 2007 era when YouTube and Facebook were, were the, the two big websites coming up. And I remember specifically the moment in grade eight when someone told me, do you watch YouTube? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I thought I misheard him and I thought he said U2, the band. And at first, like for the first 10 seconds, we were talking about the band YouTube. Um, but, but then he's like, no, no, YouTube. And like, you had to write it out. And I was like, no, I've never heard of this before. And <laughs> so that, that's, funny. it's that I remember that specifically. And then he told me, no, you can go home and you can, you can watch ask basically, your <laughs> ask your parents for going online. My 12 year old friend told me this. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, you can go home and watch any video you want. There are lots of funny videos of people, you know, falling downstairs or cat videos, which is all it was. And for the first year or two Jeez. of YouTube. <laughs> shoes that was i think one of the first ones we watched at his house too it was like funny junk 2.0 um but i spent the first year on youtube mostly watching green day music videos and lincoln park and simple plan and bands mm-hmm. that i liked and no word of a lie learning magic tricks on youtube that's what Ooh. i was doing on i YouTube. didn't know that <laughs> i kept it secret mike i kept it secret did you, do you remember anything no no not at all <laughs> They had a lot of views. It was mostly like kids for the most part, but it's funny to watch those old tutorial videos because I I did watch a lot of those in like grade eight, grade early grade nine maybe, and it was all like neck down. Like no one wanted to show their face on YouTube. It was yeah. mostly like just their neck, a t-shirt showing a magic trick and them talking because everyone was afraid to show their face online still. So even mm. like early YouTube was very different than YouTube today. You mentioned the shoes skit, like, like good <laughs> comedy skits were on there it was kind of like snl mixed with music videos that were all blurry and poor sound quality or mirror flipped to avoid getting taken down (laughs) um and that's how i spent most of the early days on uh, on videos on youtube that's amazing yeah i i also probably (laughs) had the same kind of experience with like first hitting up youtube and like realizing it was a thing uh, I, I don't remember exactly when I learned about it. I do remember when I learned about Facebook, though. That I vividly remember. Mm. That was that was the summer, like, going into grade 8 uh, from grade 7. That was a big moment. Oh. I remember that was, like, April or something. It was when Facebook had basically just come out. So yeah. um, kind of crazy how fast Facebook took off, like, looking back. How it was, like, everywhere uh, in the world within months. Like, just just 
just insane to think about. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I remember vividly remember getting Facebook. That's that's definitely something that I remember and probably definitely signals the end of the um, uh, the end of the early internet experience. But uh, for me, yeah. I do have some 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 more fun ones about uh, early internet for me that I I really uh, was thinking about this week. Runescape sure. is a big one. Yeah. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the game I played constantly i don't think it is a browser game anymore but obviously when we were kids it was and that's a game that a lot of kids on the schoolyard same kind of thing i didn't have any interest in these kind of rpg style games i didn't care about them but uh everyone was playing it and so i was like okay i guess i'm gonna play it too and uh, <laughs> went pretty far with it and never played it again <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, i'm sure yeah. my save file is sitting there i think friend of the show ali was telling me one day he was like yeah like if you remember your password or something like you can get in there and like you can That's sell crazy. your account like if it's like oh if it's like really good i'm like no dude mine is definitely not very good i'm not <laughs> i'm definitely not a high level i didn't put that many hours into it but I, but i remember playing it and then talking to people about it every day yeah, I, I played a RuneScape for a day in grade seven That's as true. well, because like, for the most part, my computer interactions from grade three to grade seven slash grade eight was mostly just disc video games. I was playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, Age of Empires, the games that we got in our cereal boxes. I remember playing all those board game video games on CD-ROM. I remember a few SpongeBob games that were a lot of fun. Uh, deer hunter on pc like and then using it for microsoft word like to to type up word documents that was for the most part of my elementary school career that's how i interacted with the computer it was i would get on play a game or do my schoolwork and get off i didn't hang out on the computer uh it wasn't until junior high school that i started to ask people and and hearing from friends what they were doing on the computer and it was a little bit different than what i was doing because a lot of them runescape was huge Um, it was very big when like in 2005, 2006. So I went home and I took me a while, but I remember I eventually made a a character and I played it for maybe 20 minutes and didn't like it. So I'd never (laughs) played it again. And then basically went back to using the computer the same way I always had until, like I said, got into YouTube in grade eight. And then you you made your Facebook account very early. I didn't make my Facebook account until end of grade nine. Yeah. I remember I was, uh, I, uh, I was either an early adopter or you were a late adopter, maybe somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely the later of the two of us. I was two, I guess June, 2008 was when I made mine. And I remember, I remember I asked my mom if I could make one because I, that's how I was taught to use the internet. And that was kind of the end of me asking my parents to do anything <laughs> online. Um, that was definitely the last time I remember asking them to do anything online. Yeah. Um, but I, I made that Facebook account and I, my, my display was a, a picture of the band queen. That's what I used as my first display image. Oh, here. Hold on. Let me find what my first yeah. display image is. Yeah, I, I didn't use that. my face. I didn't have a picture of me on Facebook until no one did. fall of grade 10. So maybe about four months later, I used a, a crappy. My mom got a digital camera for the first time in 2000, late 2008. And I took a bad. Someone took a picture of me and I used that and it looked terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I, that was the thing. Like, like you already said, that it, people just didn't post their pictures um online because yeah they the internet's a scary place and honestly i agree it is a scary place uh oh okay the first picture of me is uh it's it is it's like the side profile of me uh doing archery so Hmm. uh pretty cool it's a pretty cool kid obviously pretty cool i mean it's a profile photo of you but it's not like an it's not like your face shot like that could be anybody you could say you know like it was that's what a lot of people's Facebook profiles were. It only took about a year or two, and then people were getting on the selfie train and everything. And that kind of takes us to where we are today when, you know, throughout our high school career, Twitter came out and Instagram came out and uh, Twitch and Reddit. And here we are, and the internet is engulfing our lives. We use it basically from the moment we wake up to when we go to bed. I can't imagine living without the internet. Wi-Fi is basically everywhere. All of our devices connect to the internet. So I guess that that takes me to my next question for you, Mike, which is what is your ideal internet experience as we kind of go into our adult years? I think my ideal experience is to have Neopets uh, back. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to see how my Neopets are doing. Are they alive? Do they die? (laughs) 
No, now, now, now you can you can three D print your Neopet, and they can come into your real world. Since no one can afford to have kids or pets anymore, uh, we just have these synthetic Neopets, and uh, you can make them as big or as small as you want. You can have them speak whatever language you want. You can teach them skills. Maybe they can do our. Maybe we can make Neopets that can edit this podcast. That seems everything other than the editing podcast. Uh, that 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 seems like actually real. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if you're like, oh no, like there are three D printed Neopets. Like you can do that now. I'd be Probably. Like, what the hell? Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, um, uh, for me uh, the the internet in what what are you saying? Another twenty years? Is that what you're you're, you're thinking? Yeah, I guess so. Like, how do you see yourself uh, interacting with mm-hmm. the internet within the next twenty years? Do you think that you're going to stick with the the kind of your main five websites that you uh, that you use on a daily basis? Do you see yourself being an early adopter of new websites as they come out, like you were with Facebook? Uh, do you think that you'll revert back to using the internet? only at the library like you did in the 90s uh where do you where do you think you'll land yeah unfortunately none of those probably. uh it's funny i'm just like looking at my top websites that i use every day based on google on my google kind of homepage here uh youtube's number one yahoo sports so fantasy that's where yahoo actually that's like the one connection left to the early early internet yeah is yahoo has died to become just really big on fantasy sports so <laughs> yahoo sports is my number two website nintendo life clearly i go to a lot google maps and sportslogos.net so um wow. i'll i i have gone on sports logos at least since 2005 i would say i've been active on that site for a long time uh cool. and it's fr- it, it started in 97 so that's an early website too so uh i'm sure i'll be on sports logos forever because i'm a big logo nerd uh of <laughs> course i'm sure i'll be using google maps forever mm-hmm. uh, um it, it's it's funny it's like well obviously super hard to predict 20 years from now uh and like how the internet will change and everything i still really believe in ar and like a how ar is going to come in the future i don't think vr is the answer to really any question, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I just I just don't think VR is sustainable, attainable. I I don't think it can be mass marketed in the way that an, like AR can. Like the idea, and we're already seeing AR uh, starting to come up in a lot of different aspects. Like the idea that you can use your phone to just scan things, you know, and create a whole new experience right there is really cool. Obviously, Pokemon mm-hmm. Go uh, was big with AR. I don't think people very many people use the AR features. Of Pokemon Go, but I think the idea of of AR is really going to supplant a lot of things in the internet in the next twenty years, and really enhance your experience because right now the internet has certainly stagnated in a lot of aspects, and a big reason of that is the the corporatization, if you want to call it, uh, of the internet. I mean, the big thing was with when it was first created was the idea that it was a completely free place. You know, it was uh, created by Tim Berners-Lee in 94. That was uh, the first, when he, well, when he created, I shouldn't say he created the internet, he created WWW. Um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of the birth of, of the internet as we know it today. It was in 94. Uh, and and from there, it was always the idea of like the internet's free. It's, it's, it's available for everyone. It's supposed to be this like, um, boundless uh, area where you can do whatever you want. Uh, it's completely f- free speech. It's every like it's uh, it's your playground. Uh, the, the problem is is that humans suck, and <laughs> uh, and and that works when you have kind of a utopian view of society when you first create something uh, and there's not that many users. But then when billions of people are on here every day, yeah. then uh, things start to uh, take a turn. So. Uh, it's so right now it's very very much become a corporate playground for the most part like corporations are all over uh, monetization of the internet of course with the algorithms like we were talking about for ads and everything and mm-hmm. and really the future of of how the internet can get monetized even more and and how there's you can get more exclusivity to things are we going to have devices that just give us one aspect of the internet are we going to move away from this idea of boundless internet connectivity and the idea where it's like, well, you can actually only access a couple things. TikTok recently was banned in Montana. Like, that's an interesting landmark case. What's going to happen there? Does that mean we can just ban things on the internet? Like, yeah. uh, like, like China has, where it's a very restricted uh, yeah. society for internet. It, there's, it's a lot to to take in. I mean, it's a genie in the bottle, and the the bottle, the the genie's out. The genie's yeah. been out for a while. So it's like, <laughs> what do you do now? Um, and, and I, I think for our experience, it'll be interesting 
uh, with our kids and how they would use the internet and and as as complete digital natives. But uh, I think for me, the AR space is what I would be most excited to use and and learn about and adopt. I think if any site that we frequent started being like, oh, we're going to do some AR stuff where like you scan your phone and something projects from your phone or pops up. I don't know. <laughs> something like uh, Avatar kind of technology or something yes. happens. Like, Star Wars tech. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Some holograms. <laughs> Let's see <laughs> some of that. Like, like that, I think would be really cool. And I think I would be an early adopter for I love that you. I mean, you you nailed it perfectly. I, I can't think of too many things <laughs> to say on top of that. I mean, that's okay. You're you're much more of an adopter of these these websites and tech and everything. I I, I see myself kind of stalling a little bit even now on mm-hmm. the websites that I use for the most part. I am probably slowly but surely going to become a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to this stuff. Like like my fiance, she introduced me to TikTok and she she shows me new apps that are coming up. Uh, there was. One that I learned about last week, I don't even remember the name of it, but it's basically an app where you, you're you told to take a selfie. I don't know what it's called. Oh, Be Real. I'm, that's the one. Be Real. Thank you so much. Yeah, like I, I had not heard of that until last week, and I was like instantly, nope. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm done with all of these that's sites. Fine. Like I don't use Twitter anymore. I barely use Instagram. I only use Instagram really to communicate with our fans on the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast page. I only check it every couple of days. I'm terrible at it. My most used websites these days, not counting Google, are probably YouTube, Discord, Facebook, and Outlook to check email. That's mostly what I do on a daily basis on the internet. And I use it to look up recipes and I use Google Maps. I still call Google Maps MapQuest on a regular basis because that is just in my brain. That is the website that we used as kids to look up directions for places and we would print out the directions or write them down. And that was GPS for us. Yeah. So I still call Google Maps MapQuest from time to time. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just think that that's probably where I'll end up. I'll use like the basic boomer social media uh, accounts, the Facebook and maybe Instagram for photos and uh, go from there. Keep in touch with my, my my smaller group of people. I Like you said, like the internet has opened up to billions of people. The genie is out of the bottle. Some days it's way too much for me to see the thousands of people talking about controversies that I really don't care about half the time and it's <laughs> it's loud it's an obnoxious place to hang out from time to time I love the small pockets of the internet when I find them like the community that we're making with this podcast like mm-hmm. the odd ones that I find on Facebook like the GameCube collectors page is awesome um, there are very small communities that are great when you can find them but it's hard to sift through from time to time the deluge of crap that we get online which is a very negative way of thinking of the internet because as many bad things that have come out of it there have been some really really cool things that have come out of it like i've said before i've met some very important people in my life on the internet i've i was able to keep in touch with everybody i knew during the worst three years of everyone's lives during the pandemic because of the internet so i have a lot to thank for it so i'm never going to give it up i don't think that if the internet ever shuts down i think we'll have way more problems going on than the fact that we can't watch a youtube video um the internet (laughs) is going to be here long after we die it's basically like the newest wonder of the world it'll probably create ai that will destroy all of us i probably believe that will happen someday victor chat 3.4 it sounds like exactly we did find out a few weeks ago that uh, a couple (laughs) years into the future that's going to happen so who knows i i love your prediction about ar becoming a thing i think that that will probably be something i'd be into like the ability to chat with people via hologram sounds awesome like if, if we can if they can predict if they can perfect that tech i would be really into it i agree with what you were saying about vr as much as i don't know if that has like that's not synonymous with internet use i think that the way of interacting with the internet via vr doesn't make a lot of sense to me at least maybe it will for the next generation or the generation after that um i think vr is awesome for for travel or the ability to experience things that you physically can't like going to mars or whatever Mm -hmm. um i think that would be really cool or even like experiencing something that that happened in the past like going back and like going through an old toy store or going to a concert that you couldn't go through go to or seeing a movie in theaters like you did like you could in this like go to see a new hope in the 70s and feel like you're there i think that would be awesome but interacting with the internet and people in present day via uh, through VR, I want nothing to do with that. Um, I would much rather plug in and be in like my own virtual heaven or something. But yeah. <laughs> we're uh, decades away from that. I'd like to think we are at least. But uh, until then, Mike, while I'm waiting to uh, experience uh, a concert from the 90s on the moon, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 10 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast? Who's playing that concert, Neil? Who's playing on the moon? Uh, in the 90s, uh, it'd have to probably be, hmm, Real Big Fish. 
Real Big Fish on the Moon. Well, unfortunately, yeah. Neil, we will not be covering Real Big Fish on episode 10, but we will be covering some Star Wars, as you alluded to there a little earlier. We're going to be talking mm-hmm. about Star Wars Battlefront 2, a absolute landmark game for many different consoles in 2005, uh, I think. A ton of people have played this game before. We're really excited to talk about it. Of course, it's not a GameCube game. So we're going to be talking about uh, only our second non-Nintendo game in this uh, podcast so far. So really excited. And of course, it is May the 4th. Uh, We will be recording it or we'll be putting it out on May the 4th. Our first ever Thursday, May the 4th. So uh, it'll line up really nicely with with our episode schedule. So we're really excited for that. And uh, always excited to talk about some Star Wars. Always excited to talk about some Star Wars and always excited to talk about one of the best Star Wars games of all time. It's going to be awesome. Too bad that Battlefront 2 was never on GameCube, but I have very fond memories of playing Battlefront 2 on my PSP a ton as a kid. That was the game that I got the most time on on the PSP. So uh, really looking forward to talking with you about that on Star Wars Day. And we're going to bring on a few callers, which is going to be a ton of fun to nerd out about that game. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Episode 9 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, new episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in with the new Q&A function. We love reading your comments so far. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on an opening topic for our monthly elected Patreon episode, just like this one. You can follow us on Instagram and join the weekly conversation on our discord channel share us with your friends and family tell jeeves mike says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later bye-bye the unlocking what was cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from toronto canada and hosted by mike lane and neil gilbert additional voices provided by victor young special thank you to our patreon supporters at the five dollar level I Rebel, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Benito, Benito, AJ Olson 11, Pedro Marquez, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Jude, and Way Overrated. So Jeeves is dead, right? Oh, he has to be. No one's mm-hmm. fed him in years. He Jeeves is the original Neopet. Does Ask.com still exist? I remember when they got rid of Jeeves. That was a big controversy. That was an early internet controversy. There was the Genie website. I remember that one. That was more of like a oh, game, yeah. though, where you had to ask.com still around. And honestly, it looks how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is, uh, huh. Okay. Okay. Top reasons to get an Amazon Prime video subscription. <laughs> what is Groundhog Day and why do we care? Oh, this hasn't been updated for a couple of weeks. <laughs> nice. <laughs>